That was pretty funny business class. <laughs> Brandon's wearing a button-up flannel shirt today, you guys. He looks super cute. And I said, look at you. You're, like, so professional. But, like, for a guy that works from his basement, not, like, business. Yeah, you know, see, you even, even got dressed up for this message. <laughs> so if... Um, Here, I was thinking it was for me. Well, you, too. <laughs> you, mainly. <laughs> no, nope. right, sorry. Anybody that's listening to this can't see nor can benefit for the fact that I'm dressed, but I feel better. Yes. Makes a difference. But I feel, you know, I think that was one of the things I think it's important to note. The reason why you do that is even in your, the worst case scenario, you want to get up, shower, get dressed. Like Job, dress for action. Yep. Come on. Dress for action to face the day. Exactly. Yeah. So regardless if you want to or not, if you go back to bed later, it's cool. <laughs> but at least get up and get dressed. It makes a difference. Um. Anyway, so yes, it was for you though. Ultimately. Ultimately, good to know. Anyway, noted. Um, this is we. Have, I know we have a lot of new people around, and this is going to be more of a um, podcast that's probably more directed towards our home church. When while everything is out in public on the internet for everybody and anybody can is welcome to listen and join in with us and everything. Oh, I think we have a lot of new people who are here to we join have, into the home church. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think this is where we, you know, we, we have podcasts that obviously are more, we're, we're broadcasting out to a more general audience, you know, like everybody. Then we have ones where yes, they are for everybody, but we're going to focus more so on the home church side of it. So, this is going to be one more of like a uh, home church side. Uh, it was funny, though, because we've been we've been talking so much about false teaching and calling out sin and doing all these things. And we've been talking about how we've getting, a, you know, the, the first response to a lot of that is accusations of hate and doom and gloom preaching and just you know you get the same kind of questions that actually you if you go to the old testament prophets like ezekiel and isaiah and different things like that if you read the responses or even jeremiah if you read the responses to what these prophets were prophesying later of the day uh, they sound a lot like what people say to you nowadays whenever you are saying when you're speaking truth and it's that why why are you gonna be all messing my fun time up right now with all your with all your serious i'm a sinner stuff like why why do you gotta be doing that where's the good where's messages? the good and that's just a general that's our general i think attitude against it so we've been We've been talking about it, and I understand that's, um, you know, there is, there's definitely, Paul makes it clear, there's definitely a time for everything. There's Absolutely. a time to build up, there's a time to tear down, there's a time to be serious, there's time to cry, there's, there's a time for all of these things, uh, especially within the body. But I think it's funny that we want to hear all the good and then... When we say, okay, then I'll give you the good. 
and we talk about the good. Well, the good news is our blessed hope, as Titus puts it, or as Paul puts it in Titus, that we have our blessed hope, which is that any moment of any day, today, Jesus could come back. The return of Christ is at the forefront of every single absolutely bad part, every single trial, every single thing that we go to. You yeah. know, we're like, you know what? At least Christ is coming. We have that assurance. We have that promise. We don't know. Yeah, it's been 2,000 years. Who cares? It could be right now. You don't know. You yeah. don't buy tonight, either by death or by him, his return, you could be with Christ. Yep. And so that is, that's something that we look forward to and we encourage each other with. But then that usually falls in the scale of eschatology, which is the study of end times, when you want to talk about these things. We want to talk about this, you know, the second coming of Christ and the, and the, and the bringing in of the millennial kingdom. We want to talk about all the awesome stuff during the kingdom. Then we are. Then we start arguing about the kingdom. Yep. Then we start arguing about the second coming of Christ. So then we go from providing you, not we, but in a sense we go from providing you this to, okay, well, we don't always have to go worry about the end times and think about all that stuff. Why don't, you know, why, why are we always talking about that? It's, it's almost, and I guess, and I have definitely fallen in, in you, each one of us has to be careful not to uh, fall into this trap of, being picky and choosy of the things that you want to hear. I think that's yes. that's not just that's not just you as a, a listener or us as critics. You know, that's all of us have to be careful of doing that because I think we all can fall to that very easy. We all can can fall to going, okay, well, I'm just going to go ignore that part because I don't want to do it. For many different reasons, mm -hmm. because you don't understand it and it mm -hmm. just is too much or because you start to feel conviction when it comes to that topic and you're like, yeah, I'm just going to sit over here. But yeah. yeah, definitely that danger of when you start to, well, I like to listen to this and I don't like to listen to that. And that's what's so hard. And that's that seeker sensitive movement that's so big within the broad spectrum of the church today. Right. We're only going to talk about the things that we know people like to hear about where the things you know about repentance and sin and all the the serious stuff we just kind of put on the back burner and don't really yeah, deal let's with. Let's talk because about because nobody good. wants to hear about that. Everyone everyone wants to go to church to feel better, to feel lifted up and encouraged. And it's, yeah, and, and you go and you go. Okay, let's do that. Sure. Let's do that. Let's talk about the good and the encouragement and the building up. And then you automatically open yourself up for a fight. Number one. Number two. You people go, well, you know, this, all this drab. Let's just talk about Jesus. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's talk. Let's about talk Jesus. about Jesus. Let's, let's talk about Jesus. And, and I all think of a that's sudden. Where, that's where I want to go with this. So I hope everybody should already have their Bibles pulled out with them or next to them and their notes, uh, their notepads. But 
let's just go. I mean, with this attitude, with we're I guess before we start, I just my my point in all that was that we don't know what we want, and we're so hypocritical when it comes to this. And like I said, this is I I fall into this trap myself, and you and we all have to be careful of it. Absolutely. Of being completely hypocritical with it, you're like, okay, well. You know what? You're telling me all the sin and repentance stuff. Okay, well, tell me the good. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I give you the good. And you go, well, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't talk about that stuff because I don't really like that either. Yeah. Okay, well, what is it that you want? You don't know what you want, and that's the problem. Well, and since when is Scripture and our walk about just what I want and what makes me feel good? and what Like, that's not the point of any of this. No, it's not. And I'm repetitive, and I somebody just and and we're completely fine. But somebody disagreed with me in my statement of it's not about you. Mm. It's not. None of this is. It's about Jesus. Period. And our worship is not about us. It is about giving to God. Yeah. On and that's where I want to open up with Luke. 17 so if everybody just goes luke 17 i'm going to start in just verses seven and i and i normally don't do this i normally don't just take one passage out of um out of a book i like going through the whole entire book but for the the case of this particular message here what we're doing we're going to have to go across all the different gospels here to get a uh, look at jesus so i We're going to go ahead and just go through verses 7 through 10. What we're going to be reading here is uh, Jesus is sitting here speaking to the disciples. He's he's telling him, giving giving them here in Luke in the, the woes of woe to those that temptations to sin, who, where they come from. So the people that are that are tempting other people to sin, woe to those people. He's he's giving them uh, different visuals here. He's he's saying, you know, it would be better if they were so thrown into the ocean with a rock around their neck. It would be better for him to have a millstone hung around his neck and him thrown into the ocean. And Jesus is just going ballistic here on the Pharisees and, and on the religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, you know, and, and while speaking to the disciples here. Um, but he's explaining to the disciples, they ask him, they're like, Lord, increase our faith. And he says, in verse 6, he responds, if you just had faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you could seed you could say to this mulberry tree be uprooted and planted into the sea and it would obey you indicating that even the smallest amount of faith which is action on your part truly believing that he can do this you could do anything but this this requires work on your part this also is saying that they Jesus isn't, it, it's on you. It's not on him. Mm-hmm. You're the one that needs the faith. He owes you nothing. And then continuing on in verse 7, and this is where I wanted to get to here, 7 through 10. 
Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from a field, Come at once and recline at table. Will he not say to him, Prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what he was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you are commanded, say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. So, if you didn't quite get the gist of what Jesus was saying back to him there, he was saying that I owe you nothing. Absolutely nothing. Remember, this is by grace. By grace. And we listened the other day to a piece of uh, Paul Washer sermon, and Paul Washer was talking about propitiation. Okay? Well, that is the... You have to understand the wrath of God is what that basically is. Is the wrath, the angry God, us tiny little humans who rebelled against God. These creatures, as R.C. Sproul says, from the dirt, completely disobeyed a holy and just God. So, all of these things are through grace, and propitiation is satisfying his wrath through Christ and Christ's death on the cross, and how much that means. Anybody that says, how can God do this or send people like this, that's, not, that's honestly the most foolish thing that I've ever heard in my life because would you not only willingly in any we all watch movies tvs all this junk and we can understand how a kingship work all this stuff works oh, right we totally in our minds get it we know any, how it works yeah imagine a king stepping down and not aching the king yeah. the creator of every known thing ever and even the stuff that we don't know and but when it comes to this he owes steps, us and how dare right, he he's steps so mean down from his throne and takes on the form of a servant gets humiliated beaten and killed in any other any other scenario we would our tears would be streaming our hearts would be bleeding you know if we were watching this on Netflix or something this would be the most intense Thing that we'd ever seen in our lives. And we'd be rallying for and him to step back up rallied. and crush all those. Absolutely. And, yep. and, and we would be cheering for him. But then you realize in this scenario that you, you are, are the exactly. bad guy in the picture. And then it's like, well, he just shouldn't get too upset. And he they, will, they deserve good things. We need to acknowledge that they... That God owes us nothing, absolutely nothing. We are unworthy servants. This is something that we have to keep acknowledging. And this is what people misunderstand. And I really need to do a better job of 
teaching this, I suppose, or or expressing my viewpoint on it. Because the joy comes, as I said in the podcast yesterday of, uh, what did you title it? Uh, Whatever you titled it. Yeah, why can't we talk about, or can we talk about good things now? I think that's what I titled it. What? Whatever that. It was only yesterday. We don't remember <laughs> yeah, what we did. It's only yes. It's hey, it's difficult. Okay, we have we're working kids. on like twenty the projects right crazy. now. <laughs> Heidi's always doing stuff. <laughs> we got right. a sick chicken. I mean, we're busy, you guys. <laughs> Chicken's actually doing okay, but pray for Buddy. But I was saying that it's the it's the Holy Spirit that brings you to joy in in everything and that it's our job as my job as a teacher to tell you what God's word says and yeah there's a a lot of joy in God's word and most of the joy all revolves around his soon return that's where the joy is and the consummation of all things that's that's where your joy is. You can look upon this world in every single situation that you're going through and smile and just go, you know what? It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Because it'll all be over soon. This is just a little bit of, this is just a small whiff of time. Yep. But see, this peace and these things, these all come from the spirit. Okay, the Spirit gives you that. But the problem is, is the Spirit convicts of sin. That That's not something that stops. It doesn't just come into your life and just stop and, and just convict you of sin once for all time. Then you're good and then you don't have to talk about it again. No, this is something that happens that keeps recurring and it will constantly bring you to repentance is something that go, comes over a lifetime. So this is something that the Spirit works on. You are being worked on. Right? We're yeah, we're a new creation, but at the same time we are being made holy. We ain't there yet. We're not. Hence the reason why John fell over as if dead. Yep. That's we're not quite there yet. And we cannot have the attitude that we are owed anything. That is a terrible way to look and go about even biblical living. Because it takes our situation and it goes, why is it not better? Why am I not succeeding like the rest of the world is? Yep. Like my family is. This Then you get into like what you were talking about in your video. You get into a comparison trap. Yep. And that's what, that's what happens. And that's, so why, hard, yeah. that's why it seems dark on the surface. This seems depressing. This seems, this is the stuff that you don't want to talk about. It does seem that way. But you have to completely change your perspective about the way that you look at everything. Well, that's why it says to those that are perishing, it smells like the stench of death Death and doom. But to those that truly have the life, it's a sweet smelling perfume. You will. You would have to reconcile Paul learning to be content and joyful in every single situation. Yeah. While he was laying in a pool of his own blood after he just got beaten. In a prison of, cell somewhere or yeah. something, yeah. 
the Paul the Apostle movie did a great job oh, where so him and I Luke, it, it, it's, it took some liberties, but him and Luke are in prison together. And they're sitting there, they had just gotten put there, and they're sitting there singing hymns together. Yeah. Movie's and it's so like, good. and that was, those little pieces like that are genius because that's, you know what that part meant in that movie? That's exactly what Paul says when, you know, I find myself in Philippians when it's, I have learned to be content in any situation that I am in and that we constantly sing songs and, and, and give praise to the Lord. But you will, you would have to justify going, okay, yeah, he's singing in his heart. He is happy in his heart, in his spirit. But look at the situation that he's in. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. Do you, but you want and he to, has little hope of it ever. You getting want better. to hear about your situation getting yes. better. That's yeah. what you want to hear about. Yeah, of course. And you want I, to hear about want you better. feeling better. Yeah. And that's not the Lord. That's not what He's doing here. <laughs> You're we we do we we as the body of Christ. It is our duty to lift each other up. Absolutely. And to love one another and to, hey, if somebody's crying, we cry with them. If somebody's laughing, we laugh with them. This is how this works. That's how the body works. However, when it comes to teaching and what we're hearing and what we're learning, there was a verse yesterday that really hit me too. So if anybody, if you guys want to go over to uh, in market in 1 Corinthians, it's 4.15. Chapter 4, verse 15 is, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Okay. That verse hit me really really hard yesterday when I was reading and I was thinking about some stuff. I was like, you know what? That is amazing. Because what does a father do? Right? Uh, is it is it my job as a father to be my child's friend when I'm teaching them and warning them. We is usually it, would say that's a bad thing to just try to be your right, kid's friend all the time. Right. This is something that we constantly teach against is being friends. Yeah. And I don't think that I think we get too carried away with that. And I think and I think that's my problem with um, a lot of the parenthood things. Um, even some of the stuff actually that Lori said, but I'm not here to, tra- I'm not trashing her. Please yeah, don't yeah. do that. It's just, I, that's just the type of example that I Because I think, think there is a friendship um, element in parenting. Right. It's when you are not balanced. And so you right. will not discipline. You right. will not lead. You will not correct. You will not instruct. Like, I try to have them being, I upset. try to have that, that balance with Travis where, I'm going to go in with him and joke around with him and play sure. around with him on, on his Xbox and have some fun with him. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm going to pull his butt to the table and I'm going to give him a good talking to lashing <laughs> yeah. it for whatever. Yeah. And it's not going to hurt my feelings to do so. So, yeah. but there's an element that we've lost too, because we, we don't treat them like, like people. We treat them like, um, you know, just little annoyances sometimes, but that's a different that's a different topic. But as a father, I am not looking to be his friend. I am looking for him to go out in the world, and I don't want him to make the same mistakes that I did. I know 
all of these different mistakes. And I know where a lot of these things lead. And I'm not going to sit there and praise him all of the time unnecessarily. Okay, well, let's look at this again for how we understand this on our worldly example, but yet when it comes to scripture, we just can't fathom it. And this is a widespread problem. This isn't any one person, any one group. This is a widespread problem. And again, this is where biblical literacy and so much comes into it. But with the example of children, right? So often now we talk about the real big issue here is everybody's given a participation trophy. Mm. Everybody's told how wonderful they are and how great they're doing and all of these things. They're just, they're always praised. We're always trying to build up their confidence. But then they get up into like real life situations in the real world and it's like, no, you're, you're not perfect at everything you do. You really stink at that. You cannot play basketball. Kid can't do it. You're no good. And then these kids have these like complete meltdowns because they're like, what do you mean? I can't get a full ride scholarship mm -hmm. to whatever amazing university I want for my basketball skills. I always got a trophy. Yeah, you always got a participation mm -hmm. trophy. You suck at basketball. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Right. Like, we don't, I, I'm not trying we, to hurt your feelings, but that's what yes. it is. But yes. it's that same thing where we just want to hear, we just want to be built up. We just want it to be about us. We just, guess what? Maybe you stink. Maybe you are selfish. Maybe you are rude. Maybe you are not humble. Maybe you do need to truly get right with God. And I, you think, know what I mean. But nobody wants to hear that coming from. And the before I go to this father thing, because I agree, I, I, and, and I, I don't. But know. we also don't walk around I'll and just berate people all the time. There's I, a balance here. My point was very misunderstood, I think, in a couple ways. But yesterday, but my point was that we do not go to church. And we do not come to hear messages that are self-motivational. Yep. No. If you're into self-motivation, go to worldly self-motivation yeah, gurus. Go do all that. Cool. Because the you Bible is not a self-motivation no, help book. It's that's not what it's that's for, where and all that's these not women self-help guru like. And that's not ugh, what church that's is not for. What it is, and that's not what a teacher should be even focusing on in the slightest. When the only thing being glorified should be God. When I That's read it. things like Luke 17, and I read that, so when we've done all that we were commanded to do, yes. when we are commanded to teach, to do all of these things, when we're done, we go, yep, that's just what we were supposed to do. Do you get a thanking Every time you wipe your kid's butt? Yeah, not at all. No. That's just your duty, right? That has to you be done. I mean, that's basically what he's saying here. That, that's ba I mean, what do you want? The gift was in the child. Oh, you want a... You want a... You want a, a congratulations you want for a wiping your butt. trophy. For wiping the butt. You showed up and okay, did what cool. you're supposed to do today. Good job. Cool. Like, I gave you a child what and you're you caring want? for it. That's what you're supposed to do. And the reason why I say these things is because this is what I needed to hear when I was in this position. When I was even questioning, this is if I would have heard this come out of a pastor's mouth, I would have been like, you know what? What? <laughs> You've got my attention. I don't know if I like you, but that sounds pretty good. 
No, I mean, I don't mean to puff myself up in any way because I believe me, I do not believe I am anything. But I think your but point being my that point being just that raw, direct, this is what it says. This is literally how we can apply that, you know, that isn't that's that. That's what was missing. Yeah. And that's, and it's just, it's not biblically my job to build you up in self-motivation and self-esteem. My job is to build you up in the Lord and knowledge of the Lord to help. And, and that that's not even my job. My job is to lead you to that. And the Lord will take over after this point. I was just studying through. I know I have to do Isaiah in the next Bible study starting up. But I was just studying through last night First Corinthians. This is the whole point that Paul makes in, in the beginning of First Corinthians is that you know, it's the it's the spirit of the Lord that helps guide you and takes you through these things to understand them. Not any kind of man's wisdom or any kind of earthly wisdom that we go to learn. It's the spirit that takes you through these things and interprets these things for you and gives you this joy. Trust me. When you have, when the spirit does this and he takes you through the word and you, and, and you know that it's speaking to, to you, it's, and you think back to, this isn't something that you go and, and pray. This is your own personal worship, you know, and time with God that you're seeing these things. You think back to these situations in your life and he's showing you through this and you're going, Oh my gosh, I can feel that this is exactly where I was forgiven. This is exactly where I'm not I'm not judged off of who I was anymore. I'm better than that. I'm and wow, thanks to you because you know, these are all things that the spirit does. I don't have that ability, nor do I ever want to communicate nor should any teacher have that type of of a, you know, a method of, of going about teaching. It should never come from that. Like, I I can't provide that for you. I could just take you through this and I can just tell you exactly what it says and remind you that, hey, guys, there's a lot of awesome stuff in here and the Lord will will bring you to it. But we absolutely deserve none of it. None of it. And we need to keep that at the forefront of our mind. But the deeper and deeper that we go into Scripture, we learn joy and peace. And we learn these things because they are from the Lord. They're nothing from man there's no system there's not a book that can that can be written to instruct you how to do this the only thing that you can have is somebody that can correctly take you through the word and then the lord it's just like getting you going on a bicycle you know when you're on training wheels it's just like that and so it eventually you take those training wheels off and you learn how to to ride this bike and you never stop and it and it's just one of those things that you constantly keep learning but that's that's a teacher's job is to to just give you that but then to direct you 
to God and his word and let that do the rest. And that gets that gets lost, I think, in so much. And we don't focus enough. We focus too much on the man and not enough on Christ. So all of this, I think after I'm saying of all this and this attitude that we get and everything, I think it's important to, we're going to start taking a look at what Christ and what he does say and, and what is a good teaching versus a false teaching. What's biblical Jesus versus modern Jesus? Oh, that's a good one. And I have a graphic here that we will um, either link. I don't know. Maybe we could even make it like the picture. I don't know. But we'll definitely link it. I've posted it on uh, Instagram and Facebook before, I think. But it's that which Jesus do you follow? This modern Jesus or this biblical Jesus? And I think this is a good graphic to show the two comparisons of the two types of Jesus that we we go to church to hear about right this that's is a big what, one i don't think people realize this sometimes until you look at it and you're like oh <laughs> maybe i do lean toward the modern jesus and i didn't realize that that isn't the biblical jesus right and i think that's where my that's where my mind went when i uh i was thinking that you know we want we don't know what we want yeah we don't know what content we want, right? We don't know if we want to hear about, you know, Jesus soon return, but we don't want to hear how much we're about sinners and need to repent. And, yeah. you know, it's like, but we want to hear the good things. Well, okay, well, then let's look at Christ and, and what, what the world in this modern idea that we have of it versus a biblical one. Yeah. So the first point, Modern Jesus was a good teacher and man. Okay, that's what modern Jesus is. We see that, as I said yesterday in our uh, podcast that we did yesterday, that a lot of different religions acknowledge Jesus. Yep. They acknowledge that he was a t good teacher and a good man. Even a lot of Christians and, will say that yeah, he's great. And depending on... Uh, different Jews, who you ask, different Jews yeah. will tell you, will even recognize Jesus as a prophet. And they'll say that, you know, he's a good man with good teachings, but he was crazy and he was, you know, he was clearly, he was not, clearly the not the Messiah. So, and I think that's, that's a, that's a Jesus that has been preached in our modern churches for a long time i think we don't really understand the full deity or the full you know who christ really is yeah they so that's the modern jesus was a good teacher and they have biblical references on here for all of this that I won't go over each one for the sake of time, but it goes through this references John chapter one verses one through fourteen. Uh, the second point is modern Jesus waters down words to avoid offense. Yeah. And this modern Jesus, 
I want to reiterate this. This is a false Christ that it's almost sneaky the way that it's been brought into because it's hard to see like our theology refs with Stephen Furtick that we did. A lot of this sounds good and right on the surface, but then going deeper into what what the message is actually saying or what they're trying to you start to get that you start to whoa, realize wait a, second, wait a minute whoa whoa wait but it takes it takes a trained ear and if you're not if you're not being that father that we were talking about in first corinthians that you have many guides in christ you have many people that can make you feel good about christ that's cool but you have few fathers and people that will actually sit down and tell you and and guide you in saying, hey, hey, this that you're getting into, you need to be careful because this is not a this is not a true Christ. This is a false Christ or a antichrist. So that was the modern Jesus, the waters down words to avoid offense. Biblical Jesus loves us enough to speak the truth. They have John. 4 1 through 38 so the whole chapter basically john 4 all right the next point the modern jesus promises us earthly treasure okay earthly treasure this is the most common aspect of it this is the most common popular false teaching that we hear so when we're talking about, well, what is it? How do we how do we figure out all these false teachings? We we know we hear a lot of accusations against people, but what are they? Well, a modern Jesus promises us earthly treasure. That is the most common thing that you because everything in every parable, everything has been made to fit. Your personal life. That is what most of these teachers have done. They've made this all about you. And you are David. Slaying the giant. Just just killing Goliath. And that that just just promising us a victory and a prosperous life and all these treasures. This is what this is what you hear as a modern Jesus. Biblical Jesus points us towards eternal treasure. We read that in the Beatitudes, that Matthew 6, 19 through 21 is what they have listed here. But these promises are made for the kingdom. This is a different set of values. This is a different thing that we look forward to here than the rest of the world our joy our pride our things are not in this not in this time in this period it's in the next one we endure and this is the part where we have to have faith and trust and just trust that that he knows better than we do and that it's going to be better than you could even imagine and he knows you perfectly he designed you why would he not fit the rest of eternity for your enjoyment, even though we talk about this not being for us, the promises that we receive through grace 
are things that are just what does Paul say? No ear has heard, no eye has seen these things that he has prepared for those who love him. You have no idea what he has for you on the other side of this. No clue. What it, people get scared, and that's why I'm glad that everybody's reading through with your biblical or with your curriculum. I'm sorry, um, the Heaven Book. Oh my gosh, I love the Heaven for Kids. Randy Al Gore's Heaven Book because this gives you this like, hey, this thing that we're looking forward to here. It's a really big deal. Yeah, and you misunderstand it a lot. You don't really get that, like, it's not going to change in the way that you think that it's going to change. You get this men in black idea that you're going to, somebody's going to stand in front of you with this, this shield and you're going to, or this thing and click the button and you're not going to remember anything. You're a yeah. brand new person. And I mean, that'll happen as far as your body goes like that, that'll happen. But as far as who you are and your, and your consciousness, no, I mean, Remember who who did who was Jesus speaking with on the transfiguration on the mountain with the transfiguration? He was speaking with Moses and Elijah. Okay, that's the same Moses and Elijah from the Old Testament. Why would he resurrect you to be somebody different or something different? He wouldn't. And I think Randy Alcorn goes through great examples, and he he does a great job making the case through biblically showing you uh showing you these things so all these things are what get us through this we we look and we go oh man i don't have that really nice house or that really nice car really <laughs> you have literally the creator of the universe that you're you know but yet we're worried about frivolous little nothings here that, that your first world problems i mean let's remember that in a hundred years from now nobody remembers especially like famous people or rich people things like yeah. nobody remembers that or cares nobody does so what does it matter like what are you what are you rushing and wasting your life you know depressed and moping around for that you don't have anything here well, the Bible says that the the people that have stuff here, the people that are rich, those are the ones that need to worry. The ones that are poor, the ones that don't have anything, yeah, you actually have it a little bit better. And that's where it has to. That's where this faith and this trust you you have got to build that. And this is something that that none of these these teachers build they don't build in faith and trust and things that are yet to yet to happen you know we've got to finish this race first they build it to get you to extend out your period here and can't you see that this this turns your focus onto the world onto the here and now and gets you completely away from christ you're taking Christ and you're, you're putting him here on earth with you now in your future and everything that he has for you is here and now. 
And that's not like, yeah, good things will happen later. But like, we don't think about that. That's not a focus. That's not something that's on our mind. That's not what we're being encouraged with. Right. We want to be encouraged with the things here in this world. That's where I want to be built up. That's where I want to be encouraged. That's where I want to be filled up on the things of the world, the here and now. It's like, no, no, no. We want to fill you up and encourage you and focus you on the things to come. Because if you don't do that, like that's the eternity. This time now we're reading in Psalms with the kids this morning. What was it? Psalm 40, Psalm 39. The time you have now is but a breath. Look at the width of your hand. That's how big and how important and how special your time is right now. Mm-hmm. It's this little blurb, this little breath. There is eternity at hand. Yeah, that's that's the, how we lift you up. Let's talk about a, that. Well, that's a great point because if we read things like Proverbs, if we read things like um, Psalms and Ecclesiastes, we see that there's a general sense of helplessness yeah. and um, despair in these things going, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? You know, who's going to, how am I going to get through this? This is horrible. There's no justice. But then we are rejoicing in the Lord and his eternal and always being directed towards his sovereign plan and, and being joyful of the things to come and knowing that one day this all Everything will change. Um, that's that's the outlook that the that everybody had in the Old Testament. There was, there's plenty of benefit in living responsibly and joyfully in this life. Sure, absolutely. But the focus in our hope and all the good stuff is in this life to come. These are these things that we're waiting for. Again, in every other scenario, these things make sense to us. If I said you can have $10,000 right now this year, yep. but if you wait two years, you can have a million dollars. You'd be like, um, I think um, I'll be okay. Yeah, I think I can wait two years. I mean, that's what these things are. Is there that that's nothing or, you know, it's nothing or like here, here's $10. And then in two years, you can have a million dollars. Yeah. Like, that's stupid. Why would I just not wait? Well, what is it with this that we're wasting your time on earthly worries and cares and, and, you know, focuses in just what we think society wants out of, out of us versus what the Lord wants out of us. Yeah. And assuming, and, and the other problem with this modern Jesus is that this modern Jesus wants you to build his kingdom and to take over each individual one of these things. And that's a false Christ. This is not... The Lord is building his own kingdom through us, noted, but we don't have any, any, um, you know, goal or job that we're, we're striving towards to, to move mountains here. That's not the way that this works. That's modern Jesus. That's not biblical Jesus. Goes into the next point of modern Jesus sends all to heaven and dismisses hell 
how we don't hear about judgment. Or if we do hear about judgment, it's a completely irate, misunderstood, misconstrued idea that we have a evil, unjust God that just wants to send people to hell. Oh, yeah. Oh, Lord, have mercy. That's And that's on the other side of it. So it's either you don't hear about it at all or the opposition to it is just like that, which that was one of Marty Sampson's arguments from Hillsong. That was yep. one of his things that he's struggling with. How could a loving God do all this? We just dismiss. Even He was even admitting that modern Jesus dis- dismisses hell. He admitted that inadvertently by saying with his issues. So this is that that right there was, uh, you know, I, that was one of the first things that I saw right there. Like, okay, you're admitting that modern Jesus dismisses these things, right? Because biblical Jesus warns of sin, judgment, and hell. Yeah. He does in Matt. Look at five, Matthew five twenty nine. Right? Cut it off because it would be better for you to have, you know, not a hand, not a leg, than to be in hell. So he warns of judgment and sin and hell. We talk about it a lot. And then we talk about why. Well, that's why we started off with saying that. God owes us nothing, absolutely nothing, none of us. He offers his grace to everybody. Not everybody will take it. But that doesn't mean that he wants to send everybody to hell, but it's still going to happen. So biblical Jesus warns you of these things. Yes, we do speak of these things. We do talk about these things, and they make sense if you have a good grasp on your own sin and a good grasp of who God is and who biblical Jesus is. The next point is modern Jesus minimizes the need for repentance of sins. How often do you hear about repentance most people have no idea what that means most people say that that means that you tell stuff to a man in a box yeah no that's that couldn't be from the truth and repentance is turning it's a it's something a christian will constantly need it's a constant process that a christian will always go through you will always be being perfective through a state of repentance, you will be turning from your fleshly desires. This is something that, you know, takes time for many people. They can't just, they don't just realize every single thing right away. Okay, but before we come to a true saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we don't say that repentance is required, but you have to have i mean that's just an action that happens once you accept salvation this is something that it's just a it it should be a natural reaction 
of salvation. Because salvation, you're admitting that you need a savior. Yes. You're admitting that you are a sinner and you are you deserve death and you need a savior. Why are you a sinner? What did you do? It's not just that one time when you were six and you stole something. No, this is something. This is a process. You're a sinner every single day. Every single day we disobey God and go against God. So this is something that we need. We're in, we're in a constant, constant need for forgiveness. But we don't hear about this need for repentance. When anybody talks about repentance, it's, the, it's one of the first attacks so yeah. this is a good this is a good lookout for people that that don't know when either repentance is a great attack for people to come at you either they'll say that you're just a hateful person and this repentance is ridiculous it's all about grace it's no you need to turn from your ways this is what would be the perceived works what people think are works right this is getting up off your butt and not doing the things that you used to do instead of doing better things and helping pull people out of the things that maybe that you used to do. You know, maybe go and call those things out like, hey, guy that's doing the exact same thing that I used to. Guess what? That's going to send you straight to a place that you don't want to go to. And I've been saved from it. Let me show you how to. This is the type of... of you know that that's a true form of repentance turning and and completely from your ways and walking a new path and pulling out those in need and that's not something that we we don't even know i know i didn't really understand the term and I, again, I hate to use myself as an example, but I know there's a lot of like-minded people in the church that grew up this way. So I guess I just use myself for a stereotype in some different ways, like like this, where I'm like, I, I, I knew that I didn't understand what repentance is because I never yeah. heard it. And I don't think that any well, teacher... Well, you just get the idea that it's saying you're sorry. Like, yeah, I'm sorry when I do bad things. Right. But it's not completely... That's turning. step one of repentance, but that's not what repentance so is. So modern Jesus minimizes the, the need for repentance. Biblical Jesus commands the repentance yeah. of sins. He commands it. You know why? Because what's the first thing that he came in in Matthew and said? Repent. The yeah. kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Turn from your ways recognize that you are a sinner that's what that's what this is once you recognize that stuff you've already turned from a lot of ways right yeah because you go i used to be sexually immoral i used to be an idolater i used to be a thief i used to be a liar whatever it is that you used to be you realize oh man i was really horrible and I deserve death for every single one of those things. And you know what even the second part of that is? Is that you could have been caught in every single one of those scenarios. In every single one of those scenarios could have ruined your life. Absolutely. In one way or the other. 
whatever it would have been. Adultery? Look what happens there. Look what happens when some lot of people that are caught in the act of adultery. That's usually, you know, usually a murder or, or something serious yeah. when that happens. When you're caught in the act of stealing or what a, a mat, whatever it is. What, what if, you know, you used to have a system that you embezzled money? Yeah. And you embezzled a lot of money. And guess what? You come out of that situation, you're like, I, I walked away from that, I turned away from that, I don't do that anymore, I, I, Christ, and you go, oh my gosh, I was a horrible, horrible person. Yeah. I was a thief. I, I ripped off many people. I ripped off my employer, I ripped off whoever, I, my friends, my fam whoever it was. I did all of these things and I did. so you you realize that and you go man I never want to do that ever again I realize that I could have had I could have been put in prison I could have been I could have been caught during this period yep. that doesn't mean saying that you could have been caught that is a that's a if you realize that you've come out of a situation like that and you're like, oh, man. Okay, this doesn't work for murder. Okay. <laughs> but if you're a serial even killer, then, if you're, but even, even a murder, I mean, yes, we have to live with the consequences of our sins. Absolutely. So regardless, even if it doesn't mean you get off scot-free. No. Okay, because regardless, if you're an immoral person and you did something immoral, you're going to pay for that one way or the other for the rest of your life. Absolutely. Especially when you come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Yep. Because even if it doesn't bother you consciously anymore, once you find Christ, guess what the Holy Spirit's going to do? Ooh, He's going yeah. to convict you of that sin. He'll forgive you of it. But then you know what's going to happen after that? You're going to go, ah. I know I'm forgiven, man, but and it's dang not that you it. walk around and you beat yourself up <laughs> no, all the time, but it's having but, a true, having that true humbling and that true like, oh man, which again, maybe you've done, and that's fantastic, praise God, but that's not the message that people are talking. That's about. That's definitely not what. The or people are talking you're about. in something crazy where all they do is chase you around and beat you Correct. up for what and you that's did, what, and Jesus is going to And we're, you. we're not Pentecostal here. We're not beating you over the head and telling you that you're gonna. You need to be afraid you're going to lose your salvation. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. But this is the difference here of do you have salvation? Do you follow a true Christ, a biblical Christ, or do you follow modern Jesus? Because modern Jesus does not offer you salvation. This is not a saving Christ. This is a false Christ. This is what the Bible describes as a antichrist. I don't care how good it looks. You have to understand that Satan himself disguises himself yeah. as an angel of light, as something good. If you don't think that's right down to every single detail and you don't think that he can fool you in an instant, yeah. you're wrong. And this is exactly how he fools you, is he takes the truth and he waters it down. And he turns it. And this is what you have to be careful of. Mm -hmm. And this is what you consistently have to hit on. You have to. This is what sounds 
this is kind of what sounds morose to some people is you have to can you have to can go after this because it's hard to tell sometimes but we know that you know this this repentance is one of those things that gets by when we don't talk about these things we have an issue you this is this is one of those things that you really need to question your relationship with the lord if you haven't gone through a huge bout with repentance because the first time that you ever met christ you should have realized that you didn't deserve anything that you were just given yeah. the forgiveness that you were just given the love the the holy spirit as soon as as soon as you truly believed and you received the spirit in your heart you realize that you are a hum horrible wretched sinner that deserves death and that you need a savior as soon as you realize that you go through a huge state of repentance there that that just changes your life and we call it my saul to paul moment or uh even you know biblically what what happened with saul with paul's conversion into saul it was a biblical story but just that when you when you meet Christ and he changes your life and everything changes you don't you don't go back from that and that changes everything moving forward that doesn't make this that easier but this is one thing that doesn't come into question yeah so the next point would be modern Jesus gives you health wealth and happiness i don't really think i even need to comment anymore i think i covered all those above okay but biblical jesus this is what here you go you want something from god this is what he gives you you want the good news of what you have here it is biblical jesus gives you salvation hope peace and joy he gives you those things. Nobody else does. He does. If you're looking for those things outside of his word, you're looking in the wrong place. Yeah. And the, that's what everybody goes to is these extra biblical, you know, everybody right. goes outside of scripture. Right. We want to go to a book. We want to go to things a, that are a speaker, written. A teacher. We want to go to our best life now. We want to go to, and that's not where we go. You want it? Here you go. John 15, 9 through 17. John 14, 1 through, 14, 1 through 14. And then verse 27. These are all your promises of salvation, hope, peace, and joy. That's your good news. And once you, once we continue to study further and we're going to, keep kind of going on with this type of series because it's been kind of put on my heart where if we're going to talk about how to recognize this this modern jesus from this biblical jesus we're going to continue on this type of theme i kind of like this um moving forward but going to the next point modern jesus is loved and accepted by the world right this is yeah just want to be happy right everybody yeah jesus jesus and all everybody loves jesus right we can be anything we want and love jesus because that's what jesus said he unconditional said unconditional love yeah, and he said the greatest commandment is love and that's that's as far as they read 
They didn't read any other book. Just that. They don't even know what that is. But they mean like a commandment like, yep, I'm commanding you to love everybody, everything. and don't, Judge not. Don't judge anything. It's the verse everyone knows. That's modern Jesus. Okay. This is why this stuff sounds so ridiculous and why we, we kind of go, wait, what? When we hear some of these things, why I go off the chains? Because biblical Jesus is not loved and accepted by the world. Biblical Jesus is hated and despised by the world. The world hates him. John 15 through 18. I'm sorry, John 15, 18, not 15 through 18. I mean, yeah, go read that too. But <laughs> Read all of it. Might as well. But no, it's John chapter 15, verse 18. That The graphic here, and I would suggest you go read that too. Is hated and despised by the world. All right. The other point of modern Jesus, he overlooks sin and never corrects you. Okay. Overlooks sin and never corrects you. That's the kind of Jesus we want, right? That's what we're talking about. That's the one that's like, you know what? This Sunday... God, I hope the pastor does not talk about the need for repentance. Mm. <sighs> I just need me some love. I need to know that Jesus walked through a storm to come get me. That's what I need to hear. What can I hear that will just help make my life awesome? Yeah, I don't want to hear about how I shouldn't be in this relationship that I'm in. I don't want to hear about how I should be living like this, but it's kind of uncomfortable, so I don't. Nope. Biblical Jesus hates sin and exposes the truth about sin. That's what he came into the world to do. I checked out John chapter 3. He exposes it. John chapter 3, verses 18 through 21. All right. Then the next point is that modern Jesus gives suggestions, not commandments. Yeah, we don't like the word commandments. We, we hate that word. Or a law. That's why no. I love that Paul Washer. Yeah. Feeling so, it just feels so oppressed by the law. Really? Because what commandment what, what is it that's what oppressing you? What command is it that's oppressing you? Having your neighbor's wife? That one? That's oppressing you. Murdering? Like, what's what, oppressing which, you? Buddy? Which one is it? So, but the biblical Jesus commands divine with divine authority. Go note Mark 5, verses 1 through 20 on that. And that's actually the. The chapter that we went through with the Stephen Furtick uh, Theology Ref Sermon. Yep. So that would be a cool thing to go check out. Along with that point, commanding with divine authority. Yeah. We learn a lot of really neat things that uh, Jesus did, but we also can see in that Theology Ref's how modern Jesus is applied to that story. Yeah. Right? Because this storm that Jesus was... You know, I mean, they, just go listen to it. <laughs> That's, That's a perfect example of it. Uh, modern Jesus promises our best life now. Yeah. Right? That's That was a whole book. 
Okay. Biblical Jesus says to expect persecution in his name. Expect it. Not, oh man, I hope it doesn't happen. Oh yeah, that's a prop. Well, it might happen, but you know, iron sharpens iron. Yeah. We'll be all right. Some ridiculous thing we say. Some ridiculous out. thing yeah. that we say to get, nope. Biblical Jesus says to expect persecution in his name. Okay, Matthew 10, 22, chapter 10, verse 22. The graphic has noted for that. All right, the next point. Modern Jesus promotes unity and tolerance at all costs. Absolutely. That's our this favorite message ones. right now. That is the biggest one at all costs. That we want, this is where we want to insert Jesus and in everything. Oh, and but people will fight this tooth and nail. Unfortunately, guess what? Biblical Jesus brings division when necessary. Yep. Unfortunately, necessity is the majority. Yeah. Not always. But when we're speaking of Jesus and we're speaking of the name of Jesus, yes, that's division when we are interacting with our everyday fallen sinful world division is absolutely necessary so they have luke 12 49 through 56 noted on that um modern jesus serves your will above god's will and that's that, who do you think you are? Who do you think that you are? You really think that he, because the parable of the lost sheep, you really think that you could turn that whole Jesus turning back to go get you, like you can turn this into you? Who do you think that you are? Biblical Jesus exalts God the Father's will. John 6.38 is what they have noted here. Modern Jesus exalts signs, wonders, and mysticism above God's word. Hmm. Signs, wonders, and mysticism above God's word. I, I just, I, I really, I understand that there's fingers being pointed here, but it's not me that's doing it. We just read up above. Remember, he brings division when necessary. Okay, so modern Jesus does this exalt signs, wonders, mysticism above God's words. Yeah, well, biblical Jesus warns of false signs and wonders and magnifies God's word. Absolutely. Not books, not blogs, not YouTube videos, nothing. One teacher over another. One or over like another. That. God's word. Okay, modern Jesus exalts emotion, experience, and opinion above sound teaching. This is probably, I feel like this is the most important point. Modern Jesus exalts emotion, yeah. experience, and opinion above sound teaching. Absolutely. Guys, I'm sorry, but I just identified about 90% of mega churches and in probably a good 90% of teachers out there. I mean, emotion, and this gets the best of them. 
This really does. I've seen this happen with, we were just talking about Francis Chan. Yeah. Okay, and I want to be careful again. And if anybody listened to that, I love Francis and I, I pray for Francis and I, I'm not trying to dog him or attack him or anything Absolutely else, not. but this is how the best of them fall. And we are only men and, and you cannot look to men. Because I'll let you down every because time. Because we'll let you down every single time. But as a teacher of the word, you have a bigger responsibility. And this is why it, it's it's a little bit morose. You stick to God's word and not emotion or experience or opinion. Because a lot of Francis's new new teachings are, well, what if? Mm-hmm. And we see that so experience much experience in yeah. these things and not just him, but I was just using this as an example. Yeah. A lot of this is an exalting emotion over experience above sound teaching. And not just him that does it. This is this is common. That's why I said I just described about 90 percent of churches and teachers out there. We want. Because we read it and we see, like Paul Washer said, little to no value in there, little to no good news in there. Oh man, this stuff's kind of. St- yeah. <laughs> you know, like. I think I'll pass. Let's see. How do I? Uh, how do I? How do I paint flowers around this? Yeah. And heck, we even literally learned how to do that with the calligraphy Bible. <laughs> I mean, if if you have that Bible, don't think that I'm making fun of you. I'm not. It's okay. I would I would caution you against those things. But also, I know there's people that can have a, um, and I have it myself. But I mean, you you get kind of distracted, but it's almost kind of soothing to yourself to be able to read and just kind of, you know, do your but own notes with and that whatever. So that's movement, fine. I do caution many women because this idea of Bible journaling. Oh, that's horrible. And Don't do that. that. That's horrible. Image that you can share where you've like created this masterpiece over yeah, no. the page of scripture. No. Like that's do you not understand what a Bible's there for? It's for you to be reading it. Not yeah, like you have to understand like, that this is like if you were like, you know, in the biblical days, you'd be like drawing on a pictures on a scroll like a child like this that's what i mean you just don't do that um but that's but like but too don't feel bad if you have that i know people that but if it's become more of an idol to create this perfect journaled page but i also want to but i okay but let me give you let me give you the example of how that can be beneficial though while i say these calligraphy bibles okay well one of our dear sisters and dear members of our home church her kids and herself they learn through pictures through drawing pictures they literally draw pictures that are relevant to the story whatever they're drawing to associate what they're learning well that's what we would do with the kids with school right right? we'd read a chapter in bible and then we would let them journal about it so they could draw a picture so we're not talking about we're not talking about highlighting bibles we're not talking about circling text we're not talking about even drawing like little pictures to help you 
kind of remember something. No, that's not what I'm talking about. That Don't think that that's what I'm talking about at all because that type of thing can be beneficial, sure. uh, especially for children. Um, she sent me a picture of one of her little ones and, you know, it was the, the Jonah story, like, and it was the coolest stinking picture. Like, I'm like, that's awesome. That's a great, that's a great visual way of remembering and a kid, you know, applying this stuff and learning this stuff. So that's not what I'm talking about at all. So don't think that. Um, but uh you know just on just on the the you, everybody knows the ridiculousness that i'm talking about and i and i really do think that some of those those connect the dot calligraphy things get oh, yeah. out of control and there's a lot of new age practice that comes into yeah, a lot of that yeah there is some so. weird things like that but i don't remember what point that i was on <laughs> cuz i don't have them numbered okay hold on all right, the last point between biblical Jesus and modern Jesus on this graphic is modern Jesus encourages you to love yourself first and gratify all your fleshly desires. That's, again, that's what we were talking about in, or in the earlier points, but it's hidden and it, and it looks and sounds like even worship. But really, deep down, it's encouraging you to love yourself, not Christ. And to go after, once you love yourself, then you form these goals. Because out of our own selfish pride, we build this goal. And we go, you know what, we're going to go ahead and gratify this goal. But this is a, this is a fleshly desire built off of love from ourself. This is you, you. That's that's where this goes, and that's where telling you the good and trying to build you up and everything in this world. This is where this goes. This encourages you to love yourself and to gratify all your fleshly desires. Yeah. But that statement alone, almost everybody says, "Well, uh-oh, I know what biblical Jesus is going to say," because biblical Jesus says. I command you to deny yourself and be willing to lay down your life for God. So, explain to me how God gives a crap about your vision if he wants you to deny yourself and be willing to lay down your life for him. Matthew sixteen twenty four, for a good start of reference on that. But he commands you to deny yourself and be willing to lay down your life. This isn't just fancy wording. This isn't just a spiritual allegory of, of just, you know, well, no. It is, it is that form of repentance that is a sharp turn. From your past life, these things. He commands you to deny yourself. I am, we all have selfish pride. I think that, that every single human, that's what our, our, probably most of our biggest battles are, are selfish pride battles. Yeah. 
Okay, those, he commands you to deny those. We have to get to the point like a child and receive this where we say, you know what, Father, I don't know what's best. I don't know what to do. Because I don't have that ability. We have to be able to deny ourselves and be willing to lay down our life for God. In many situations, that could happen. Guess who all of anybody that celebrates Christianity in an illegal country is willing to lay down their life for God? Because they know that they could be rounded up and shot and killed. This happens. It's not just we got taught this in in when we grew up churchy and what we get it right. You have to be willing that what if somebody busted in the school, held a gun to your head and asked you if you believed in God? Well, what Columbine would you say? Columbine made that the big thing. Yeah, right that made the, the big thing, right? What would you say? Would you say, yes, I believe in God? Boom. You know, which was very, very sick. That was a very horrible thing to do. Yeah. I don't know why we, that was like they do it why, in youth group. That was like a big yeah. Thing I don't. I don't know if that was a thing across everywhere, but it's certainly where we were growing <laughs> that's up. That's what we were told. That's what we were told. Like I, I know it sounds kind of sick, but I mean, it was that was a that was what the church used to say, hey, oh. you should, um, you know, you 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 need to make sure that your life is right with God because what if somebody busted in here and held a gun to your head and shot you and you die? What would you say, yes or no? Would you go to heaven or hell? It was that type of sick kind of, yeah. you know, saying. But there's there's truth into the way of saying, you know, no, I, I would be willing to stand up. Yeah. And if you're not willing, it shows a, and don't feel bad about it, but you just have to acknowledge it. It just shows a poor understanding. It's where you are spiritually, you're not quite where you need to be. And that's fine because we all grow. We, we, we all don't quite understand everything. It, and I don't understand everything. I mean, I still am learning. We all still, every, any teacher or anybody that tells you that they're not still learning is a liar. Yeah. Because nobody has this figured out. We have the Holy Spirit that takes us through and interprets these truths and, and tells us and, and guides us through these things. But we're still human and fallible. We see that with, I mean, everybody, we are only human. We all have, we all have our downfalls. But... It's being conscious of those downfalls and praying that we could escape these things and not be that we will be led through these temptations to do these things. Mm -hmm. That's where your conscience is, 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 and that's where that's a good, good marker to look for in a false teacher. What is he telling you? Is he telling you that? Is he saying, hey, we all fall? Even I have to be careful of doing these things. Because if he's not, he's he's lying to you. And that's the type of thing that they need to be that they need to be teaching you and you need to be hearing. So we have to ask ourselves which Jesus is it that we truly follow? Do I follow the modern Jesus in my head? Or do I follow the biblical Jesus? 
if you're confused, these this these uh these things are are things that you don't want to be con confused about. You want to learn some. You want to have some surety in these things. And biblical Jesus does offer you these things. You just have to be willing to accept it. But be willing to accept it at the cost of realizing that you don't deserve it. So you don't get to design the terms of how this works. It's all right. He did. And everything is already in here. And through this, hopefully, we'll just be able to continue taking you through and showing you the difference between modern Jesus and biblical Jesus. But I think this turned out good. I know it ran pretty long, so Important, hope everybody enjoyed it. But make sure that you pray and think on that. Spend some time in uh, these verses here that, that I gave you. And then on the graphic here that will be there in here, just... I don't know quite how we'll post it. Just even if we link it, because I can, I can, I have it on. Um, do you have it on something? Instagram that I can link it. Okay, yeah, we can do that. That works. Yeah, yeah. we'll figure so, it out. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's more so what I was thinking of. If, okay. If you don't put it on the on the head, the thumbnail picture. Yeah, send it to me. I'll see what I can figure out. Yep. All yeah. right. All Thank right, you. guys. Thank you so much.